What's going on, friends? Welcome to another episode of The Genius Life. I'm your host, Max Lugavier, a filmmaker, health and science journalist, and the author of the New York Times best-selling book, Genius Foods. In this episode of the show, I am super excited to introduce you to my good friend, Liana Werner Gray. Liana is a best-selling author of the books, The Earth Diet and 10-Minute Recipes, and she is now joining my show for the first time to talk about her latest book, Cancer Free with Food. Now, Liana has been touched personally by cancer in a number of ways, and she's going to talk about that over the course of this next episode. And in her new book, she's made it her mission to unearth various foods and combine them into recipes that she believes can help a person in their fight against cancer. Now, we are very quick uh, at the top of the episode to make sure that you know that there is no medical advice given um, over the course of of this next episode. If you have any kind of medical condition, including but not limited to cancer, you should not hesitate to see a doctor and attain adequate medical treatment for that. But nonetheless, Liana is a big believer in the power of food as a form of medicine, as am I. So I'm excited to get into it. But before we do, I want to give a shout out to the sponsor of this episode of The Genius Life, and that is my good friends at Four Sigmatic. Four Sigmatic makes a number of great products using, uh, quote unquote, medicinal mushrooms, ranging from reishi to chaga to cordyceps to lion's mane. I lately have been obsessed with combining their chaga, which is said to have immune boosting properties, or I should say immune supporting properties, and I combine that with their lion's mane. I'm working on a few different projects at the moment right now, and I feel like lion's mane um, does give me a sort of focused clarity without the um, jitters that I get when I occasionally consume too much coffee, which can uh, occasionally happen. So if you want to check out anything that Four Sigmatic has to offer, I highly recommend going over to their site, foursigmatic.com slash max, perusing their wares, and you can use promo code max to save a whopping 15% off of everything in their online store. Again, that is foursigmatic.com slash max, and you can use promo code max to pick up anything you want um, off of their online store. So go uh, check them out and tell them Max sent you. All right, guys, we are about to get into this chat with, again, um, Liana Werner Gray, who's a friend of mine. Her book, Cancer Free with Food, just came out. It's already a bestseller. And uh, yeah, we cover, you know, lots of ground in this episode. So I'm excited to hear what you think about it. As you're listening, please take a moment to share this episode by uh, telling your friends about it, posting a screenshot on your Instagram stories, or even tweeting a link. That would mean the world to me. And also, please don't forget to leave a rating and review on iTunes. I read every single one of them. Like this one from Caroline0808. She wrote... Max, thank you for being you. This is my all-time favorite book and podcast. It has changed my life in many ways and is now changing the lives of my parents. I asked them to just give it a chance and buy the book. They both purchased the audiobook and loved it. Both have lost weight, are healthier, happier, and are more energetic and optimistic than ever before. These are the parents I knew from my childhood. I can't tell you what that means to me. I recommend your book, podcast, and Instagram to just about anyone who will listen. Please keep doing what you're doing. Well, Caroline, that just made my day, not only my day, my week. One of the things that I love so much um, hearing about is when you guys not only are, uh, you know, changing your own lives with my book, but then recommending the book to your loved ones um, and my podcast as well. So please continue to spread the word. And if there's anything that you think that I could be doing um, to improve, please let me know. I love to hear your feedback. All right, guys. On with the show, let's rock.
welcome to the podcast. Thanks, Max. Thanks for having me. Good. It's my pleasure. (laughs) Um, So you just wrote this book, and uh, I'm super excited about it. Um, But I want to... It's already <laughs> begun to drum up some controversy. Yeah, great. <laughs> why, 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 why do you think that is? Well, I think just the concept of food as medicine and also the title, Cancer Free with Food, sparks some, some sensitivities in people <laughs> that are like, you know, you can't heal cancer just with food, which, you know, I'm, I tend to agree with. So this book is about addressing the nutritional component to healing, which if someone's doing chemo or radiation or surgery is a no brainer to address at the same time. Yeah, I agree with that. So you, you basically make the recommendation to see a doctor if you have cancer and to follow the guidelines that they prescribe. Yeah, work with a medical professional because I certainly don't want that responsibility. And that's what medical professionals are there for. Right. And they'll guide you to whatever treatment that they feel is best. You know, obviously a trusted medical professional. Yeah, it is a cheeky title. But somebody on Instagram, we won't name him, but somebody somebody (laughs) basically, I call them like evidence Nazis. Because they, they are very one-dimensional. There's a lot of these kinds of people out there in the ether of the internet, you know, and they, like, basically require hard data to prove basically anything. Everything, yeah. yeah. Which I think is, like, that's a that's a not a bad way to think about things, but I think it's a um, very myopic way of thinking about things. Yeah, I mean, I think it can, can be totally, like, one-minded. And, um, you know, I reached out to him because when I was a kid, I was on the debate team, and it's just natural for me to have to talk to someone if they're going to post something like that. Like, everyone's like, no, don't write back to negativity or criticism or haters. I'm like, I can't I could do that. It's a conversation. So I wrote to him, and I said, you know, it sounds like you haven't even read the book. The book isn't about just healing cancer with food alone. And then I also said to him, you know, if you haven't had cancer yourself, you don't know what it feels like mentally, spiritually, and emotionally. And that's like the most awful feeling ever. It's like living hell every single day. Right. And I've been there. And so I'm very passionate about helping people who are also in that same place. And so for us, it's like, there are certain foods that we need to cut out and be really strict about. Whereas this same critic was posting about, you know, McDonald's and also posting about, oh, it's Easter, you know, like screw it, eat Cadbury and eat like the worst kind of chocolate with sugar and dairy and soy lecithin. And I strongly disagree with that. I think if someone has cancer and it's like that, you know, that's like, yeah, that's a major wake up call. I think that you can't afford to eat those things because they can quickly weaken your immune system and have the cancer like take over and spread like wildfire. So, yeah, I think it depends largely on the type of cancer and the stage of cancer. Uh, certain people, obviously, and I'm sh- you know, tell me like what your stance is on this, but I would, I would assume that there are certain people for whom you would advise them just to eat whatever makes you happy because maybe the cancer is terminal or something. Yeah, I mean, every every single cancer is, is definitely personal and unique, right? Every single one is so unique. And But my whole concept is like, if whatever you're craving, you can have it, but in a more natural way. But there are some people who are like, I just want my New York pizza. Yeah. And there's no other alternative for that. And yeah. so in, in that situation, and if it's terminal, it's like, okay, they want to enjoy you know their last days. But if someone feels like they can heal it or they have a good chance of healing it. It's like, okay, what if you want to eat chocolate, why not eat a better type of chocolate? Yeah. You know, make it at home or buy one that tastes really, really good but has cleaner ingredients. It doesn't have dairy that has coconut sugar, which is a major upgrade from white sugar. I agree I agree with everything you're saying. Although I will say that 
having had a, a parent recently pass away and being there with them for the, the late stages, the, la- the latest stages, you know, there was a point at which I just wanted to give her whatever was going to make her happy. And I didn't want to compromise. If she wanted a cannoli from Venero's, which is like <laughs> yeah. one of the top pastry shops in New York City, I was going to go and get her that. Right. So I think it's really like a, you know, there's no one size fits all. Right. It's totally unique for each person. And that's what I was saying. Like if someone's terminally ill and they're like, I want New York pizza, even if I have cancer and it's, you know, it's gluten and cheese and all that stuff. It's like, well, yeah, I want to enjoy it. So I just want to have that soul experience. Totally. Yeah. So why'd you write this book? So I wrote this book because, well, I was first touched by cancer when both of my grandfathers passed away from cancer when I was quite young. And so I remember looking at my grandfather that I was really close to and, and his, um, Max's cat is going wild. (laughs) She's going bonkers. (laughs) Delilah. Hey, what's up? Um, and shout out to Delilah. She's on Instagram and she she has, um, she has a little Instagram page. So go follow her. Delilah. Delilah, the city cat. The city cat. Yeah. Um, now she's an LA city cat. Now she's an LA city cat. She just gave me a little snuggle, which was nice. Um, (laughs) Podcasting (laughs) with cats. Cat. With Delilah. Yeah. So, um, I saw my grandfather and I saw his diet, right? So he was eating McDonald's, junk food, sugar, milkshakes, all the, all the kinds of worst foods. And then I grew up in Outback Australia with the Aboriginal people. So I compared their diet to my grandfather's. And all of the grandfathers that I knew that were Aboriginal were all lean. And the cancer rate for Indigenous people was 0%. It just doesn't exist in their culture. Mm. So I remember from a young age thinking, oh, wow, okay, there's a huge difference between what my grandfather is eating versus what the Aboriginal people are eating. And the Aboriginal concept is if you can go out to your own backyard and pick food straight from the tree or the bush or the plant and eat it, that's the most nutrient-dense. And also they believe in the spiritual practice of that food, that that food has an energy, has a spirit. So it's going to fill you with this spirit. So uh, that clicked for me at a young age and then... Then I had my personal experience with it. So when I was a teenager, I moved to Brisbane City to go to university and I wasn't in my natural environment. So I was in the city, moved to a high rise apartment and I started indulging in junk food and I became quickly addicted to sugar. If I felt like gummy bears for breakfast, I would eat gummy bears for breakfast. I would eat pizza, KFC, McDonald's, like all that kind of food. And then after five years of eating like that, I ended up in hospital and the doctors did a biopsy and I had a 3.7 centimeter tumor the size of a golf ball. And I posted the biopsy on my website if anyone wants to see it. And um, that, you know, I had early stages of cancer. It wasn't like, oh, you have stage four and you're going to die next week. But it was enough for me to go, oh, oops, like I know I've done this to myself, especially because it was in my lymphatic system. And I straight away went to research. Okay, the body's lymphatic system is like a sewage system. So that's where my blockage is. So I need to like detox it it out and get my body flowing again and I knew that I had nutritionally deprived myself for five years so that's when I started to think okay how can I basically overdose my system on nutrition really quickly to try and get this out and because of my upbringing I just didn't believe in surgery because you know the aboriginal people were like if you have a sickness like we all get together and we heal you through you know, prayer and spirit and through foods. And so I believe that if I was just to remove the tumor through surgery, that I wasn't addressing the root cause, which was deeper, was like, why am I craving and eating all these bad foods that aren't supporting my life or supporting my health? And so I'm 
not advising other people to do that, obviously. Definitely work with a medical professional. And I actually did seek the advice of an MD who was helping people heal cancer in Australia at the time and also a naturopath. So I worked with them and they, you know, supported my decision. And um, yeah, so that was my touch with cancer. And then so what I did was started juicing six times a day, vegetable juice. And I know that's also controversial, right? Juicing. Because some people are like, juicing has so much sugar, but you know, you don't have to put any fruits in juice. It can just be straight up vegetable. But for me, it was like, I need to get this cellular nutrition in like as quick as possible. So I felt so energetic and so alive when I was drinking juice. And so I had the six a day. And then every time I had a craving for junk food, I thought, okay, how can I fulfill this craving in the most natural way possible? And that's how I came up with the chicken tender recipe and the chocolate balls and the cookie dough. And after three months of that, the tumor was completely dissolved. Wow. Completely gone. And so after that, I was like, I'm so happy. I feel so free. I just want to go share these foods and these recipes with the world. And that's what I've done for the last decade. That's amazing. So were you undergoing like... traditional therapies concurrently with the juicing no that that's what i was saying like i don't advise everyone to do that but because of my upbringing i had that strong belief that i could heal it naturally plus i was young right i was like 21 and it wasn't advanced stages of cancer so i didn't feel the need um, or intuitively i didn't feel like i needed to do traditional but the mass shrank it did after three months wow that's amazing yeah and they biopsied it and what i mean like what did they find that it was? It was a like 3.7 centimeter tumor, which is the oh. size of a golf ball on my, the right side of my neck oh my in my lymphatic system, wow. early stages of, of cancer. I had three different diagnoses from doctors. One said it was stage zero, one said it was stage one, and one said it was precancerous. Oh my God. That was my first like re- real experience with the medical industry. Yeah. And I was like confused at how they could all have different diagnoses, which is very common. And that's why I recommend in this book too, for people to get multiple opinions. Yeah right? Smart. Yeah. So what do you think it was about the juicing that helped? I mean, now that you've, you've written this, this book, I mean, it's like so thoroughly researched. You've got, you know, all these glowing endorsements. Like what, what do you think it was about the juicing? If you so had to like. The juicing is kind of like getting hooked up to an IV and getting like pumped with vitamin C or, you know, the Myers cocktail vitamins that they do these days. So it was like pumping vitamins straight into my blood system. And because I hadn't had proper nutrition for so many years, my cells were just like so happy. And I just felt like they were absorbing all the nutrients. They were just like, yes, finally I'm getting healthy. And that helped to detox my body as well because I had a lot of toxins. I also was riddled with parasites and a high majority of people with cancer are riddled with parasites. So that's something you can also check with your doctor to see your how many parasites you do have like intestinal parasites um in in my blood in your blood yeah yeah so my blood work was on the verge of leukemia as as well so i saw um i actually saw the parasites in my blood um yeah that was totally creepy i was like whoa this is like they're invading my body so every time i juiced i imagined like juices going in parasites going out juices going in parasites going out so it was like detoxing my body in a very quick powerful way it's kind of like a detox acceleration drinking that much juice what kind of parasite i mean what was the official like what are they what were they i don't know the doctor just explained to me as a blood parasite huh yeah that's insane but if you know if anyone's interested in the subject just research um blood parasite or cancer parasites 
or parasites in cancer patients. It's right. fascinating to see that there's a high amount of parasites in most people with cancer. Wow. So that tells us, okay, if someone has cancer, they have toxicity, need to detox yeah. their body. What uh, proportion of cancers would you say are preventable? That's a really good question. I mean, because like, you know, 40% of cancers are linked to obesity, right? And obesity is definitely something that is tethered to food. Like mm -hmm. inextricably... Yeah, you know, we eat away in a way that doesn't make, lead to obesity. Our risk for developing, you know, X number of cancers is dramatically cut down, right? Mm -hmm. um, well, yeah. So, so Mark Hyman wrote the forward to the book, and in it, he says that when he was in oncology medical school, that he asked a professor what percentage of cancer was related to diet. Yeah, good question, right? And he said that he was surprised because the answer was 70% of all cancers are related to diet. That's insane. 70%. Wow. wow. Yeah. So that tells us we do have a lot of control. That's huge. And probably, you know, a, a massive proportion are related to, you know, endocrine disrupting uh, chemicals in the, in the environment, being sedentary. Mm-hmm. Staggering. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Um, and then also I researched, I wanted to know what's the most common cancers, right? So what are people being diagnosed with the most? Yeah. So I was really surprised to see that uh, skin cancer is the most common. Wow. And then, you know, if you dive into it online or in books, you can see that which cancers are easier to heal mm -hmm. than others. Um, so, you know, for example, if you get skin cancer or breast cancer, it's, it's kind of like, okay, cool, you have a higher chance of beating that, whereas other cancers are much harder to beat. Yeah, probably has to do with like the, the, the detection or detection capacity, like pancreatic cancer. Pancreatic cancer is a very hard one to beat. That's so is lung. One. Lung yeah. cancer is a tough one. Yeah, and so that's why we want to prevent cancer as much as possible. And so obviously, you know, if we keep a healthy diet, we do lower our risk of ever getting cancer. So yeah. it's just something we have to do as human beings. And I know it's not fun, you know, to have to watch our diet and eat healthy. Sometimes it can feel like totally boring, but you know, we're human beings living on this strange planet sometimes. So we <laughs> have to like, we have to focus on our diet, but there are some great foods like and health hacks that we can do to make it easier. Yeah. Let's talk about some of these, these cancer fighting foods. Yeah. So I was really determined to find like the number one anti-cancer food on earth so excited to, to <laughs> reveal it to all the listeners yeah. listening right now well and i know that you're a huge fan of this food also and i was really surprised when because i had no idea going into it what it was going to be well i thought okay probably turmeric because we all know turmeric is so popular and it's an anti-inflammatory and it's great for cancer and it is I actually listed it as number two in the book wow. but number one is broccoli sprouts. Broccoli sprouts? Broccoli sprouts. That's music to my ears. Yeah. Because I actually recommend broccoli sprouts and cruciferous vegetables in, in general for brain health. Yeah. Well, I know it's a top food in genius foods yes. as well, right? Yeah. So broccoli sprouts are number one because, well, one, that it's been studied for decades. And there's some great studies at John Hopkins. And they've done studies with humans and with mice. And so they take the sephoraphane in the broccoli sprouts and they inject that sephoraphane compound into humans and mice tumors and every single tumor reduced wow not one tumor can hold its form if it's injected with sephoraphane wow so i thought that was awesome that's powerful powerful so if someone's diagnosed with cancer today or if i was diagnosed with cancer again i would straight away go out and start consuming broccoli sprouts and now knowing that i've started to incorporate 
it into my diet. Like I'm, I'm good to have broccoli sprouts for the rest of my life, <laughs> knowing that I want to keep that saforaphane like in my body flowing. Do you, do you grow them? I don't grow them yet. That's like the next level. That's like the next step. After my book launch and all the busyness like yeah. dies down, I want to get one of those planters that you can just put inside your apartment, you know, and grow. Yeah. Grow all of the herbs and sprouts. All you guys listening, I have a very simple guide to how to grow your own broccoli sprouts. All you need is a jar, a mason jar and a lid, although even that's optional. You could get away with a coffee filter and um, broccoli seeds and you can grow over the course of three days you can just have a ton of fresh delicious broccoli sprouts i'll put the link in the uh show notes to this at maxlugavir.com you can check that out oh that's perfect actually the article is at yeah you can go to maxlugavir.com art the article section and it's like a super easy guide oh that's awesome that's great thanks for that cool i'll have to share that yeah sure yeah so, and if people, um, you know, can't get them fresh or grow them fresh, then I just recommend a supplement or even a greens powder. Fresh is always best, obviously, but just to get that sephoraphane in every day. Yeah. Yeah. I think, I mean, just eat cr- all cruciferous vegetables have the ability to create sulforaphane, right? Yes. They all have sulforaphane. Um, I posted on my Instagram account, like the highest sulforaphane in the world. So uh, broccoli sprouts is number one. I by, saw that. It was it's, a good post. It's way higher mm. than the others. So kale, cabbage cauliflower, broccoli, they all have sephoraphane, but broccoli sprouts, sprouts is like on steroids. Yeah, it's the king. <laughs> it's the king of all kings of kings. It's the king of the universe yeah. in sephoraphane. I think um, it's also probably wise if you're going to start loading up on broccoli sprouts to make sure that you're, you know, that it's part of a balanced uh, diet that includes, you know, other micronutrients in, you know, what I have in mind in particular are uh, iodine and selenium for thyroid health, you know, because these can... At the in the concentration that they're found in broccoli sprouts, they can outcompete iodine for entry into the thyroid. So you don't want that, right? And some people with thyroid issues have a hard time even consuming um, sulforaphane anyway. So their doctors might say you can't have it. So then you would have to focus on other anti-cancer foods if that's the case. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Um, So what else is there? Okay, well, so I did the top fifteen, but I mean the other two that I'm super excited about that are really unique is cacao. Oh man, cacao? Yeah. I was super stoked when I saw that because I'm loving your recommendations. <laughs> I feel like I'm already on the cancer food food diet. Yeah, woo. So cacao, you know, is like for all your chocolate lovers gonna be so happy about that as well. So I found out it's listed as a functional food and there's actually been a lot of studies to show that it has anti tumor activities. Wow. which is awesome. So it can help reduce and shrink tumors. And the reason for that is because it has so much magnesium. So it helps relax the brain. And I also learned that it was an anti-inflammatory for the gut, which I thought was fascinating because I always associated chocolate with bloating immediately. But that was because when I was eating, you know, the bad type of chocolate yeah. before with all the sugar and dairy and emulsifier. So yeah, so cacao. There we go. Do you have a simple uh, chocolate recipe? Because I know you're like kind of like a chocolate queen. Yeah. That you can share with my listeners. Yep, for sure. I mean, I have so many chocolate recipes in the book, but my go-to is the three-ingredient chocolate brownie mixture. So you just need three ingredients, you guys. So first of all, cacao powder. And so, you know, you have to get a good high-quality cacao powder. Some people try to make their own chocolate and they're like, oh, it tastes like eh. it's because of the cacao powder, right? So um, if you follow me on IG, you'll see all the the brands that I love to use because they taste so good. So cacao powder, number one, and then pick your sweetener, number two. So you could use monk fruit sweetener. You could use dates. You could use stevia. You could also use honey, maple syrup, or coconut sugar. So I usually, my go-to is usually maple syrup. And then the third one I use, so you want a base. So you could use like an almond flour or a tiger nut flour, which is whole next level. 
So it's just those three ingredients and that gives you this chocolate brownie dough and you can make it in squares or balls. And this is a no-bake recipe. So it's five minutes, mix it up and it's done. But how do you get it like moist? Like there was no... So with the sweetener. But if someone uses like a stevia or coconut sugar, then you just add some water or some coconut oil. The coconut oil will bind it as well. Got it. Yeah. And then you can add a bit of sea salt. You can add some vanilla extract as well. You can add some mint oil. You can roll it in coconut. I like to roll it in hemp seeds. You know, there's so much you can do with this base three ingredient brownie recipe. Damn. Sounds so good. Okay. So we got chocolate. We got broccoli sprouts okay so number 10 <laughs> which you're gonna love is um maybe it's tiger nuts tiger nuts i like tiger nuts yeah so i'm a huge fan of tiger nuts for also for environmental reasons very sustainable for the earth for the environment like almond trees are just so taxing on the environment they take so much water and pesticides they're like super high maintenance whereas tiger nuts uh grow like weeds they're amazing and they have so many nutritional value and so when i was doing my research it was one of the last foods i researched because i was like wait let me see if there's actually studies on tiger nuts because not a lot of people know about it yet but there have been so many studies on tiger nuts that show that they're a liver protector so if someone is going through chemo, that can help immensely to consume tiger nuts daily, like a tiger nut milk. Wow. And so basically you can just grab a handful of tiger nuts, throw it in your blender with a few cups of water and then blend it up. And that's all you need to make tiger nut milk. Wow. And then naturally sweet, like a sweet potato. So you don't have to add any sweetness at all. They also are a powerful source of resistant starch. Yep. So good for the gut. Dr. What, it, what is resistant starch? That. Um, I mean, I don't know too much about resistant starch, but I know that it's just really good for your gut well, health. Well, yeah, it feeds basically the, the good bacteria, the, the bacteria that live in your in your gut. Yeah, and it's yeah. called resistant because it resists digestion by the host, so it becomes basically food for the uh, the microbes that live in your large intestine. That's awesome. The good I bacteria. Mean, I feel so refreshed when I'm drinking tiger nut milk. It's it feels so pure and so cleansing, and also they have the same amount of iron as red meat. Wow. So it's a really good iron source for vegans, vegetarians, or just people wanting to go more plant-based and really high in potassium as well. And they're not a nut also. So they're a tuber. They're a tuber. So a root vegetable. So it's a good way to get more veggies into the diet. And so there's tiger nut flour, which you can make the chocolate brownies with, or even, you know, a healthy cookie dough. Yeah. Or you can use the tiger nuts to make tiger nut milk, or you can just eat the tiger nuts. Oh, they are. All right, so we got chocolate broccoli sprouts, tiger nuts, but let's like zoom out a little bit in broad strokes. I mean, like talk about like what in your, you know, research has emerged as being like the ultimate, you know, potential cancer protector dietary pattern. Like what what does that diet look like? I mean, because there's not a single food, right, that's going to like beat cancer for you. It's not like and the same thing I say for brain health, right? It's like not you don't eat a blueberry and suddenly you're protected from Alzheimer's disease. Um, it's about the dietary pattern as a whole. So talk about like what, you know, your philosophy in terms of uh, diet. And then uh, I guess we'll talk a little bit about lifestyle. But yeah, yeah. What, I mean, what do you see as being like the most protective dietary pattern? Um, I think, like you said, it's unique for each person and individualized for each person. But I've definitely seen for myself and from doing this work for the last decade and working with people that having a majority plant-based diet with Mm. some organic meats, like grass-fed beef, organic chicken, wild fish, I've seen that model work the best. Um, Some people work 
also mostly on just you know going paleo or organic meats and then but also having plants and then others like some people have beaten cancer with going entirely vegan but I found that those people are mostly people who were obese or really overweight and I say mostly um, because obviously not everyone so so that's what I've found in the last decade but what works for me is majority plant-based with some organic meats every now and then you know similar to the the pegan concept yeah vegan but with some pea paleo yeah I mean I get like the the common thread among the all the diets that you that you've just mentioned is that they're devoid of packaged processed foods. Right. Obviously, yeah, we want to want to cut those out for sure. Yeah, because those just don't have a lot of nutritional value. Like they fill us up, but they're just dead matter. Yeah. They just suck our life force. Yeah. Yeah. Loaded with chemical additives and. Um, yeah. Yeah. And and that's another cool thing I found in my research was I listed the top fifteen most toxic foods on earth, and I was I loved finding the studies on it, and they actually do have a lot of studies showing that preservatives, fillers, additives they do cause cancer because they cause a lot of toxic buildup in the body or carcinogens in the body, which cause cancer. What are the top three worst offenders? Uh, aspartame was one of them. Hmm. Um, benzoate was another one. And let's see. Um, also, microwave food. I was really surprised to see that because they say that's a form of radiation. Yeah. but I mean, how does it, how would that cause carcinogens in the body which causes cancer so um and stabilizes okay so well number one was white sugar they you know that's the worst yeah for that breeds cancer so sodium benzoate potassium benzoate and then stabilizes like bha and bht so they're also called e320 on yeah on food labels i mean they're scary they they even sound scary the ingredients and food dyes as well food dyes food dyes yeah oh my god i'm excited to uh to look into those studies man that's uh yeah that's those are some scary claims right there yeah you know i was like this is cool that they actually have have these studies which i feel like aren't really out there in the mainstream but you know you can dig them up quite easily and pubmed has all of this good stuff as well so yeah what's uh Obviously, personally, you're very much invested in this as somebody, you know, you had this, this growth and, you know, you have cancer in your family, but writing a book takes a tremendous amount of research. What are some of the things that surprised you over the course of writing the book? Um, what surprised me was, I mean, certainly some of the foods like the broccoli sprouts, cacao and tiger nuts, those were the three most surprising. Um, it also surprised me some of the stories because I interviewed a lot of cancer survivors. Wow. And that was cool to see how each person healed differently. Hmm. Um, well, one for, for one, my mom had breast cancer and she had very advanced breast cancer. So she had to act pretty quickly. And for her, you know, she, she sat down with, with us and said, I, I think I want to do surgery, but I don't want to do chemo and radiation. Hmm even though her medical doctor was advising her to do all three. She said, I can't put myself through the chemo and radiation. She said, I feel like I won't survive it. I feel like it will just burn my body out. So 
she did the surgery and then, you know, she started juicing and she quit smoking and drinking and she really changed her diet. And um, she stuck to that no chemo, no radiation, even though her doctor said it will come back if you don't. And my mom just intuitively felt like I can't do it. And she's still cancer free to this day, you know, six years later. But then some of the stories in here were like um, Sarah Stewart's father, Bill Stewart. Mm. This was miraculous because he he was diagnosed with bladder cancer and then he was quite um, overweight at the time and they said okay just give us six months we're going to change the diet first and see if that changes anything and their doctor agreed and said okay but if you come back in six months and you still have bladder cancer we have to go the traditional route so they went and changed the whole diet he did a lot of raw vegan mostly raw vegan lots of juicing and seven months later was completely cancer free wow like completely and he only just did diet wow um but one that one story that i found really fascinating was anita morjani's story have you heard of this one no and she's had medical doctors study this all around the world. Um, She's been on Dr. Oz. You know, they're baffled by it because her healing was a spiritual healing. So she had 24 tumors in her body the size of lemons. It's all documented. She went into a coma and she had a near-death experience. And she said, you know, before the coma... She said everyone was telling her, you have to go raw vegan, raw vegan. So she tried to do that and her cancer got worse and spread. Um, That's the same with me. The first day I started to be healthy, I said I tried to go to do fasting and to cut out all meat and just to go like soups and juices. And I felt very weak by end of day one and day two. And that's why I started to incorporate juices and solid, I mean, meats and solid foods. Mm. So Anita said that like when she was in the coma, she had the near-death experience and she she said that she saw her brother and her father and she realized that she was causing the cancer from stress. She was stressing herself out every single day of her life. And she had this epiphany in the coma and that she, you know, was creating it, but she wanted to come back down to her body. Her husband was by her side and she said, I don't want to create this anymore. So she came back, she, you know, woke up in four days. She was walking, she walked out of the hospital and all of her tumors had reduced and she's cancer free to this day. You know, she's got a ton of followers. Now she has a book about it. Um, She's like, you know, all these medical people have, have looked at her case and they're just like, what? But that's a good example of that. It's, it can also be never too late. And there is um, such a thing as like, you know, the spiritual healing yeah. to cancer as well. Yeah. I mean, I, you know, I, I wish that I was more of, a, of an expert on cancer because I feel like there's got to be some cancers that are, you know, more easily treatable, more responsive to perhaps dietary and lifestyle change. You know, it's just uh, every cancer is different. Every cancer is different. Oh, one other thing I found was like, what? Mind-blowing was that if you get cancer in Europe, the most common practice there isn't chemotherapy. It's mistletoe therapy. So literally like the mistletoe, the Christmas thing that we kiss under. So they take that mistletoe and inject it into people. And that's also what Bill Stewart incorporated. It's illegal here in the States, but people still get it from Europe or from Mexico. And, you know, Suzanne Summers did the same with her breast cancer. But if you get cancer in Europe, that's their common practices. Like, oh, okay, you're going to get mistletoe therapy because they have low side effects and high results of healing cancer. So it's an extract of this plant that they inject into tumors? Yeah. That sounds insane to me. Yeah. Well, it's kind of <laughs> like a it's kind of like a uh, chemotherapy, but instead wow. of the, the chemotherapy drugs, <laughs> Delilah's back. <laughs> the Yay! cat's back. Um, 
It's mistletoe, yeah. Wow. Well, that's yeah. amazing. Yeah, so that's something to look into. I just feel like, oh man, with, with cancer is so hard. It's so difficult, you know? It is, yeah. It's very personal. It's very personal. Have you gotten, because your book has been out now for about a week, have you gotten stories from people that, you know, that have really resonated with uh, with your journey? Yeah, so I have um, one young girl. She's in her young 20s, so she has brain um, brain tumors. And she started making her own recipes from the book. And she said she's not intimidated to make recipes anymore. Mm. And that's what I aim to do with these recipes. They're very simple and very approachable. And anyone can do it, you know, get into the kitchen on any budget and you can make this really healthy, yummy stuff. So she made the five ingredient salad, which has broccoli sprouts, avocado, lemon, cilantro and parsley. And it sounds like a super simple recipe, but it's so delicious and so filling. Wow. Um, yeah, so it's it's been rewarding to see stuff like that. And then another woman, she has a five centimeter tumor on her ovaries so she was very addicted to sugar so now she started making you know the cookie dough with the honey instead of eating white sugar she's cutting out dairy she's cutting out gluten she's feeling so much more energized she's lost about 10 pounds so yeah it's really cool cool to see that so i'm looking forward to seeing more stories like that over the next few years that's amazing that's so cool so what else have we uh yet to cover um anything else you want to add Hmm, let's see. Oh man, you've got a recipe for iced coffee. That makes me happy. (laughs) Yep, yep, for the people who want to do coffee. I mean, I guess I would just say that um, definitely explore which foods work for you and, you know, work with your medical professional because I also list mushrooms as a top 10 anti-cancer food. Yeah. But just because mushrooms work for one human, it doesn't work for another human because each body is different. So one person's medicine can be another person's poison. So you definitely want to just find out which foods really resonate um, yeah. with you. I do also list some anti-cancer supplements and I'm a huge fan of bentonite clay. There's some great studies that people who drink bentonite clay have a lower risk of getting brain cancer and brain tumors. Oof. And so that's also a good one if someone does have brain tumors, brain cancer. And the indigenous tribes used that to purify the body. So it's great to help detox the body, purify the body. I think that, I think this is great. I, I mean, at the very least, you know, chemotherapy is something that is, you know, and if you do have cancer, you should f- see your doctor and, you know, <laughs> do what they recommend. Yes, 100%. But, but chemotherapy is incredibly difficult on the body. You know, it's, it's difficult for a young person. It's even more difficult for somebody who's old and frail. And in fact, your success in chemotherapy is largely dependent on what's called your performance status, like your ability to take care of yourself and um, navigate the world and the like. And so what I think is so great about these recipes is that they provide uh, foods that can ease the burden on your body, whether or not they have any impact on the, on the, on the tumor. Um, they're going to make that, you know, those therapies, I guess, you're, they're going to strengthen your body. Yes. You know, and, and make, per, per, perhaps support your body's resilience in yes. the face of those toxic chemicals, you know, because it, chemotherapy absolutely. is toxic. I mean, there's no debating that. Right. So it'll help you get through chemotherapy yeah. and surgery and radiation if you're doing those as well. It will help to make your body stronger. Absolutely. And one of the cancer survivors I interviewed, Cece, she did chemotherapy and she did a smoothie every single day that she calls like the the chemo brain protector hmm. so because there's something called chemo brain when people are going through chemo they get chemo brain so hmm. it feels very mushy and they get brain fog and headaches so this smoothie which has mct oil 
and blueberries so that helped protect her brain yeah. through it she said she loved it every day she felt like that smoothie really helped her stay sane and focused it's great to feel empowered and uh my honestly my heart goes out to anybody who's who's dealing with cancer yeah especially in the later stages it is a terrible disease yeah um, so hopefully we can um, prevent that if it's true that 70% of cancers are all due to diet. Hopefully we can bring down those cancer stats because right now it's one in two men and one in three women in their lifetime will get diagnosed with cancer. Oof. Yeah. And there's definitely a big epigenetic uh, or I should say environmental component to it. Um, you know, there are pretty staggering statistics that in the 1970s, a woman's lifetime risk of developing breast cancer was something like one in 20 and today it's one in six so i mean our genes haven't changed wow our environment the environment has yeah. mutated and it's what's causing us all to be so unwell so i mean there's certainly uh an environmental component there i mean my my curiosity would be about you know i mean is there a point at which it's you know it's too late like the can't because cancers create their own environment essentially, right? Cancers have a will to live. They're almost like these alien creatures, right? Mm -hmm. once they, and once they feed. They just feed yeah. in the body, yeah. Yeah, so I mean, it's... um. Well, well, I certainly had to change my environment. I was living in the high-rise apartment, and when I was healing, there was no part of me that wanted to stay in that high-rise. Hmm. I felt, like, alienated. So I was like, I need to go back and be rooted near nature and be on a ground level. So I moved out, and I had to cut a lot of chaos that was in my life and be, you know, I, I started sleeping way more. I was sleeping sometimes up to 18 hours a day because I needed that rest. My body was exhausted. Wow. Yeah, so I really change a lot of, of my environment. That's great. All right, Liana. Well, we are just about out of time. Where can listeners connect with you over the internet if they have questions for you, want to follow up? Yeah, for sure. You? Hit me up with questions, comments. So I'm on Instagram, so Liana Werner Gray. And then also my website is just lianawernergray.com. And you can find me on Facebook. You know, just Google me and all the, the platforms will come up, whichever one you prefer. So can't wait to chat with you guys. Yeah, and your book is called Cancer Free with Food. Where is it available? Where can people find it? Any bookstores. You can get it from Barnes & Noble. Support local bookstores. That would be awesome. Got to keep them alive. But of course, it's also available on Amazon and other digital platforms as well and yeah please um, gift this to anyone that you know that has cancer I know my sister went out and bought a ton and she's just giving them out to people with cancer so that can really help uplift them and give them some hope as well wow love that all right last question that gets asked to everybody who's on this podcast what does it mean to you Liana Werner Gray to lead a genius life <laughs> uh, we'll definitely incorporate some anti-cancer foods every day so that I can keep my body cancer free for the rest of my life I like that yeah Cool. Enough said. All right, guys. Well, thank you so much for listening to this episode of The Genius Life. As always, I value your time and attention. Be sure to pick up Liana's book. Again, it's called Cancer Free with Food. Lots of food for thought, no pun intended. And uh, share this episode with your friends and The Genius Life in general. Come on, spread the word about what we're doing here. That would be much appreciated. And I will catch you on the next episode. Peace.